podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. All right, on today's show... I have with me on Zoom, Zooming in from Nashville today, Samuel Herb. Welcome, Samuel. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, We have met in person one time officially, but we talked on the phone. We talked on Zoom a couple other times, and uh, you have some some big, new, exciting things happening. And so that's uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show today. But uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, all right. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, and I like music and golf, and I just kind of travel around selling my secrets to strangers, you know, <laughs> what we're all trying to do, right? I love that. You have a really funny um, personality that you you definitely uh, throw into your music, too, which I love that, uh, and, and already evidence here. So love it. Love it. What's Nashville like right now, by the way? What is Nashville like? Well, currently it's cold, but to the Wisconsin people, it's probably not that bad. Um, <laughs> but um, it's cool. I mean, things are starting to come back. Um, it's a little bit weird because, um, I mean, I lived here for, this is my sixth year as a Nashville resident. But, you know, during the pandemic, I was outside of Nashville and you get a lot of people that moved away and there's a lot of people that moved here during the pandemic. And it's just... Um, it's, it's interesting now um, mm-hmm. that the rent has skyrocketed in the past two years and the, you know, the traffic has gone up. So it's weird. It's like every, not not like everywhere else. Yeah. Where, yeah. Uh, does it does it still have that old country Western kind of feel to it that, you know, sort of more oh. original Nashville? No, feels? it hasn't. It hasn't <laughs> had that in probably 10 years yeah 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 i mean everybody from new york and la is moving here um because the taxes are cool and the place is cool so yeah yeah interesting i i've kind of heard about that but even in the last two years you were saying that that it's even gotten bigger and and uh, uh pricier so interesting oh but, for sure but for it's sure. uh it's definitely still a place that a lot of musicians want to be and people are gravitating towards right well, yeah. I mean, there's a huge writing community here that's only getting bigger. It's not getting smaller. Um, and it's what happened, I guess, in New York, the songwriting community left because they couldn't afford to live there with the streaming service payouts. And um, so L.A. and Nashville became these hubs. And now Austin is a big hub as well. Um, but Nashville is still like the, the songs are king here. That's that's why people keep coming. Yeah, yeah, nice. And uh, what was it that made you move there? And how long have you been there again? I think you just talked about it a little bit, but yeah, what brought you I there? Here, I moved here in 2016. Um, and I mean, my, my Nashville story is kind of funny. Um, I have this whole like long story that's like a movie because I just want to make my life a movie at all times, you know? Um, <laughs> but 
I moved here in 2016 because, um, like in 2013, I was like sitting on my couch watching the ACM awards and, mm-hmm. um, the song, the song of the year was I drive your truck, which was performed by Lee Bryce, but it was written by three people that weren't Lee Bryce. And I was like, what? Um, so I learned that you could make a living being a songwriter that night. I stayed up till about six in the morning, um, just mm-hmm. doing all kinds, all kinds of research on being a writer and writing country music. Um, and I was like, I'm going to move to Nashville and be the nice Jewish kid that like nobody knows, <laughs> but he's got, he's got all these number one hits. Um, so nice. in 20, in 2015, I came here and did like a songwriters workshop and, everybody there was all of the like teachers or whatever were like, Hey, um, you're like, this is like a beginner's kind of songwriting thing. You should not be in this class. Like you just need to move to Nashville. Like you're good enough. Like just move here. And if I didn't get enough of a confidence boost from that, um, I found out while I was in Nashville for the first time ever, I'm here for the songwriting retreat. Are you familiar? There's a magazine called American songwriter. I have heard of it. Yeah. So it's like one of the only like songwriting publications and they have like a bi bi-monthly um I guess it's a lyric contest is what they okay. call it. Um and I finished second out of like, you know, 4000 submissions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, all right, so it seems as though I I might be good enough to do this. Um so in 2016, right before I graduated college, I moved to Nashville. That's awesome. And uh, what's it been like? I mean, has has it been everything you hoped it would be or has it been, uh, you know, easy, difficult? What, you know, tell us your, you know, what you found. Um, it depends on like, I, I thoroughly believe that like anything in the music industry is about like mindset. Um, so things are going to be difficult if you believe them to be this super difficult thing. Um, I obviously there's like, there's advancements that I, I want to make and haven't made and, you know, whatever else, but um, the national community itself is once you find your people and you find the people that you gel well with writing wise, um, you know, everybody kind of moves together and, you know, when one friend gets a deal, it's like, their whole like inner circle starts the the dominoes start to fall and everybody starts to be able to make a living off doing what they love. Um, and the people who, you know, tread water the best are the ones that eventually get washed up onto a, a beautiful paradise of land. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just give up, never do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the national experience for me anyway. Yeah. Well said. And then what is, what's it been like for you uh, since the pandemic hit? Um, well, the beginning of the pandemic, like everybody else, I mean, 2019 was my first year of touring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a lot of momentum going into 2020. Um, not that everybody else didn't, but if you're asking about me specific, then yes, like, <laughs> you know, I, um, I sold out a show at the basement, uh, January 31st of 2020. Um, I was in talks to be picked up as an opener, which was like my, 
um, that was my goal for 2020. I was already like on my way there. Um, I had routed a tour. I was going to Canada for my first time ever. Um, you know, not that it's that big of a deal, but you know, you get the verification on Instagram, um, in January of 2020 and you're just like so stoked. Um, and, and then the world shut down and I like kind of lost my, why do I do this? Um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I, I took like, and then the social injustice, um, rallies started and I was like, so angry at just like, why, why do we live in a world that doesn't work for everyone? And I like took five poli sci classes on like Harvard's online because they were like giving it away for free. They were like, here, take Mm -hmm. our online classes for free. And I was like, screw music. I'm going to go run for something. And Hmm. I joined a bunch of like run for political group Facebook pages. And then I was like, wow, I realized that this also takes just a giant pile (laughs) of money to make the machine work. Mm -hmm. And, and then I, booked one more show i went out and played the show and i was like i remember why i do this that was my 2020 it was like all about remembering why i do this um so then i i ended up just kind of treading water even though i was ready to give up and we're back at it wow good for you i'm glad that you came back to music um what was it about the the politics that was exciting for you um I don't know. It was just more so like, it wasn't that it was exciting. It was that it was frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of not doing things because they're easy, but doing them because, um, you need to do them. Yeah. Uh, and that's why music has always been kind of my thing. Um, just cause I, I write about what keeps me up at night and, um, if I can help someone else fall asleep because I stayed up one night to write what I was thinking, uh, right. then, then it was worth it. Um, yeah. so that's the, it was the same thing for politics. And that was, you know, it was like, music is now dead. Like to everyone, music is dead because we can't go out and play shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. And so that was my outlet, you know, but we made it. Yeah. We're yeah, here. Well, I'm really glad you're back at the music thing again because uh, I really enjoyed your show in Milwaukee here over the summer last year. And it's like you're just such a great entertainer just across the board from the live performance to the the shtick to the uh, to the whole package. So it was really fun to meet you and, and see, see you perform. Um, so and speaking of which, can you um, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you got into music going, going you know, as far back as you would like to reveal? <laughs> yeah i mean the first thing i can remember about music was screaming joy to the world by three dog night in my dad's car because jeremiah <laughs> was the bullfrog was a really funny thing to say when you're five years old um <laughs> but i mean i started i started writing lyrics when i was you know 14 or 15 um and from there um i would take them to my friend who went to like the creative arts school because i was never very like musical um Growing up, my family isn't musical. It was like sports, 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 baseball, baseball, golf, golf, baseball. Um, and 
from there, like he would take the songs and I was like, man, this is just not what I'm hearing in my head. Um, and I, I was like, just, you know what, can you teach me how to play an instrument that nobody knows how to play? That's still kind of cool that I can carry around. Um, so I learned, he taught me how to play the ukulele. Okay. And that was when I was 16. And then from there, I picked up a guitar at 17 and, you know, just kept on writing. I, I purely got into music because I wanted to write songs. Um, not for any other reason. It was like, I love lyrics and I love how music can make a lyric feel, you know, like it's life or death. And, um, I, I did it for myself more so than other people. And then eventually I was like, Oh, other people understand what I'm trying to say. And I said what they were thinking. Wow. Cool. Let's do this. Nice. Nice. Now, what kind of shows did you play when you were first starting off? Um, what kind of shows did I play? I played a lot of, um, open mic nights, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I played open mic nights. Um, and I did a lot of like, it's weird. Cause I was in a, I was in a fraternity for a short time when I was in college and they have these like sorority pageants where like they raise money for their individual philanthropies. And mm -hmm. it was always like one male contestant from each fraternity did their thing. And I was like the only guy in the fraternity that they could put up for the talent show. Um, and so I would play a lot of those and eventually mm -hmm. just kind of built, built the confidence to go out and like keep playing my songs in front of people. I mean, mm -hmm. the re the reason I have all the confidence in the world, to be honest, is because of my bar mitzvah. I mean, you're 13 years old, you're, <laughs> you're going through puberty, you're singing in Hebrew in front of all your family and friends and even your school friends. And then yeah, after you do that, you feel like you can conquer the world. <laughs> Everyone needs a bar mitzvah in their life. Is what you're I, saying. Think, I, I think everybody needs like, um, you know, uh, a, a humbling, like public appearance when they're 13 years old, just to give themselves the confidence to like know that they can do pretty much anything they want to do, because that is the scariest thing in the world when you're 13. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. I love that. What, it, what, uh, I mean, to those of us who are not Jewish, like, can you explain what happens at a bar mitzvah? Yeah. Um, a bar mitzvah is, or a bar or bat mitzvah is basically, um, uh, a young Jewish person that it's the, it's the coming of age um, where you uh, you lead your synagogue and congregation in prayer, but you also um, you know you give a speech at the end and you read from the Torah for the first time. So it's your um, it's your coming of age, and it, I mean that's kind of the basics of what a bar and bar mitzvah is. There's way more to it, but that's probably mm -hmm. all you need to know in, in a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. And it's a big, big public ordeal with lots of people there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there were close to 200 people in my bar mitzvah. Wow. Wow. Give or take. Yeah. yeah that's a lot, great. Of, lot it, of thank you notes. <laughs> and that's actually a very important lesson to learn early in life, too, is acknowledgement yes. of your uh, public and, and your fans and things like that. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. That, that lot, a whole lot of lessons right there in that one bar mitzvah experience. So very cool. Uh, so where did, what did you do then after you learned ukulele and guitar and you started those, uh, you were doing those fraternity uh, events? Where did you go from there? Um, from there, I transferred schools. Um, and that's when I really started to hit like the local songwriter uh, you know, song, the local songwriter nights in Jacksonville, um, just 
getting to know other people that played music and um, just doing all the research I can, I could to get to the Nashville scene. Um, Cause I really loved country music. It's not really who I am, um, but I really loved like, for whatever reason, I really loved that like Luke Bryan, Florida Georgia line first two records. Um, and I just, it, I would go to festivals and I don't drink. Like I, I, I've never been drunk. I'm 28 years old. I just never got into it. Um, and, but I'm like sitting here and I'm like, this is amazing that all these people are just having like the time of their lives watching these people play music. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like anything I could do to write a song while the, like to be a songwriter, to write one of those songs that just let everybody do their thing. Um, that I was, it was just more so like, I started like a, a blog and I really dove into country music. Um, and I'm like hitting people up on Instagram. I'm like, Hey, I really love your like song that you wrote for Luke Bryan. And they're like, Oh my God, how did you find me? And I'm like, cause I'm a wizard. I have a journalism degree <laughs> and I just know how to find anybody and their contact info. <laughs> like, Yeah. That's, that's smart though. It's, it's smart because uh, it's really not that hard to trace people, to find people. And a lot of times the the, the folks behind the music uh, want to talk about how they did it, but they're not the stars. And, you know, so, um, you know, it's it's that's a great way to make connections. And, and so what did you learn from that kind of thing? Um, I mean, I guess I've never really thought about it, but I guess looking back, I mean, people are willing to help. Um, mm-hmm. It's more so about that, like asking. Um, and not, not being afraid to ask for help or advice or just being a sponge, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I was doing it in the moment. I just didn't know that how important it would have been to like to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So, and you said you have a journalism degree? Yes. Well, sort of, um, I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like three credits short of a journalism degree, but, um, I graduated, <laughs> if that makes sense. I like walked across the stage. I have all of the information. I just don't have a piece of paper. Got it. Got it. For sure. I, I think I understand where that, about what that means. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. What was, what was appealing about journalism? Um, it just kept me writing. Uh, oh, um, sure. Mm-hmm. It was one of the, I mean, it's very like, it took me a long time actually. Like when I first moved to Nashville, um, I like, I really fell in love with like Americana music uh, when I got here and like how real everything felt Um, like the Jason Isbell's of the world and just understanding like how you can do like how you can write a lyric and it not be super literal. Um, Mm -hmm. It took me a while to break out of that mold because of my journalism degree, because in journalism, Mm -hmm. it's like, here is the, here are the facts. And then Mm -hmm. you graduate and they go, here are our facts. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't want to be a journalist because that sounds awful. I would like to write mm-hmm. music. And I used my journalism degree to uh, learn how to work a camera. And I um, I met a ton of people in town by shooting free photos for them and just like picking their brain and being a cool hang and going out on the road with, you know, God knows who um, and writing songs with them later because I was a fun person to hang out with. Um, mm-hmm. once I was here, I used it every day, my journalism degree, but, um, I, it's just one of those things that I don't really feel like <laughs> makes any sense. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And actually, I have, um, I'm in music now myself, in it, but I have a music and journalism degree. And uh, I, I also credit that uh, to, um, you know, where I'm at and what I'm doing because I don't feel uncomfortable asking anyone for anything. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, being forced to do so. Uh, in some of the journalism work in the past. And yeah, I mean, cause that's, that's all you can do. That that's what your job is, uh, is to ask questions and seek out sources and things like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's been really handy and it's, it's nice to hear that that's worked well for you too. Um, yeah. Every day it's an everyday use. Plus you get really good at spelling <laughs> and grammar. Yeah. <laughs> and things, yes. you know, added bonuses there. <laughs> um, so I, the, the podcast here, uh, on this particular podcast, we like to talk about um, lessons learned in the music industry. And I want to just find out if there's any particular uh, lessons that you've learned along the way from the business itself that you might relay to the, the people listening. Uh, what has been one of the strongest lessons that you've learned? Um, if you write songs and you play any show at a... You could play the worst bar you've ever been to for three people. It doesn't matter how big or small the show is. Find your PRO and uh, mark down your live performance so you can get your live performance royalties. Mm. I mean, if All you right. played a hundred, if you played a hundred shows in the year and, and you're missing and you didn't upload any of them, even if you only played three songs that night that were yours that you wrote, you're missing out mm -hmm. on like over a thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And, and for those who may not know what the acronym means, PRO, uh, you want to mention that what that is? Yeah, that's a performance rights organization. Um, BMI, ASCAP, mm -hmm. CSAX and invite only one. Um, if you're from Canada, I think it's so can, there's a bunch of them. Mm. Um, and they are the people who pay songwriters. Um, and yeah. the, I've almost wanted to start my own podcast called LPR, <laughs> where we talk all things touring and it's live performance royalties. They're probably the best royalty we get as writers that aren't doing something, you know, like being on a target ad. Um, mm -hmm. so highly suggest uh finding a pro if you don't have one and uh making sure you sign up for your live performance royalties even if you're playing at a zaxby's yes you I guys love have zaxby's that. in wisconsin uh, i don't not that i'm aware of but okay uh, even if you're playing at a mcdonald's <laughs> There you go. Yeah. No, that's smart. I actually thought you were going to go a different direction with that, but I even, I love this one even better. I thought you were going to say something like, you know, um, a little bit more common where people are like, make sure to play your heart out. You know, even if there's just two or three people in the audience, uh, that's probably even more obvious. This is, yeah, this is super true as well. Uh, to well, make sure I was, yeah. I was going to go that way, but you said <laughs> something in the music business. So yes, you're right. Um, you're I right. mean, that playing your heart out is not anything to do with the music business. That's the entertainment business. The music right. business is a totally separate thing, but you have to know both. Absolutely. Yeah, that was very well put. And um, and thank you for saying that, because, um, you know, we we've worked with a lot of musicians who. Um, many are registered, but the, uh, you know, with their different performance rights organizations, but, uh, a lot of them 
don't even, you know, uh, we have to, the way that we're set up as a concert series, uh, we have to track and because we're, a um, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, um, traveling concert series is kind of how we're set up a pop-up style series. Um, that's how our licensing was set up. We have to report every single event and every single song from every single event individually. Um, and so we just have to, um, be super on the ball with that. And we ask musicians for those, those set lists. And it's, it's amazing how many of them, uh, are not prepared for that. And especially the, those original artists that don't have that available, um, and, uh, and, and that's so much money that is missing, um, from, from those events, uh, that they could be making. And it's, it's been crazy. So, um, oh, yeah, I mean, like yeah. just to, I mean, to put it in perspective for anybody that's like not wanting to do it or is like, oh, that doesn't mean that much. I mean, I played 72 shows on the road in 2019 and about 30 riders rounds in Nashville riders rounds are like, you know, it's three or four people. You play three or four songs each in an hour mm -hmm. and then you call it. Um, so, you know, roughly a hundred shows. Um, I think my BMI check was like $3,200. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, like there's, I mean, a couple of those were festivals and I think those pay a little bit more for yeah. mm -hmm. whatever reason. Um, but it's up. Yeah. Audience size. It's, it's, yeah. I, I mean, but you're, you're missing out on cash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like yeah. $3,000, $3,000 can pay for, you know, depending on where you're recording, you know, you want to make more music, you want to get back into the studio. It can, that, that's, that'll do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If it's a ticketed hall, um, then they, that they look for, at least on our reports, they look for, you know, ticket sales reports. Um, but if it's, if it's just a venue, uh, with no ticketing, it, they seem to just look for a seat count. And so even if it's a venue that is not full, um, it's, you know, it's definitely worth it to, to, uh, report that because they don't know <laughs> if it's full or not. Um, yeah, it's, it, but report it all, every time, all the time. Uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah, good advice there. Um, if uh, have you had a particular influence on you and what you're doing in, like, in music, uh, like musically, or like my business sense of it? Let's take it first. Um, like, who have you learned from in the business itself? Oh God. Um, everyone i mean when i moved to nashville i spent six months i didn't even write a song i just was like how can i be in every room like who can i meet um i'd say i mean probably some of the bigger influences are uh like ward from whiskey jam um just learning how to network and learning how um learning when it's appropriate to ask for certain things and when it's not um just kind of gauging it um as far as like songwriting goes i mean i learned from everybody i've ever co-written with mm -hmm. um just kind of what works and what doesn't um and i don't know um i just kind of always have had the drive to ask for help um and so i've learned from everybody i've ever asked help mm -hmm. from which is like mm -hmm. hundreds of people i'm trying to think of there's like one individual that's been like this helped me so much, um, but not, not really. It's all just a bunch of little pieces of the mm -hmm. puzzle that I keep trying to put it together. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, great. And uh, musically, who is a good influence for you? Um, oh, geez. Um, musically, there's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Jack Johnsons of the world, mm-hmm. Nathaniel Wrightliff and the Night Sweats. Um, I really like, I'm, I'm really, right now, I'm really, excuse me, listening to a lot of like Bristol Maroney. Um, that like pop punky mm-hmm. scene back in the day. Um, I don't know. There's so many musical influences. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can see that you, you have a very positive kind of uplifting sort of feel. And I can see that resonating with some of those artists that you just uh, named and how would, how would you describe your own style? Um, how would I describe my own style? Um, mentally twisted lyrically gifted. <laughs> really is that what I, I that's funny i like that but it's 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 very unique i like that uh do you do you actually call it that um i have in the past yeah when i yeah, first yeah. when i first moved here i was like yeah i'm like mentally twisted but lyrically gifted um clever yeah and i yeah. you know I, i'm all about the lyrics so i try to work really hard on making sure what I'm trying to say comes across, but also not letting like the truth get in the way of, of a good story. Um, and just, I work with other writers to try and make it sound the way it does. Um, and to make this, make the melody match what I'm trying to say. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know that that's me just a good <laughs> ball. Um, and, uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges to come along um, uh, throughout your career in music? And how, how have you been able to work through them? Um, all of the challenges revolve around trying to find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the terrible thing to, like the, the worst way to describe how to do it is is to find a way. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's mostly... It, I don't know, challenges. Challenges are like paying rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing more than that. Um, I don't think I've ever had a... I mean, you have your bad thoughts that go through your brain. Like, why am I doing this? Am I wasting my time? Am I wasting my life away? And then that's literally in my brain for less than half a second. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't... I mean, the challenges are like finding enough money to record. And so I'm doing like Kickstarters or selling NFTs or any of those mm-hmm. number of things. So there's always the, the, if there's a will, there's a way it should be written on every musician's tombstone. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And I'm going to ask you more about those things that you just mentioned in just a moment, but yeah. Abs- and I mean, COVID is, is uh, a huge challenge. Absolutely. Uh, you know, definitely for any musician in the business, but um, I mean, have you, have there been things, any good things that have come out of that for you? Out of COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it gave me some time to reimagine exactly why I was doing this. Um, like why mm-hmm. I play music and why I want to travel around and play songs. Um, it really helped my golf game. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, not really. I mean, it showed me the power of social media for other people. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. It showed me, it showed me that I value being an artist more than I enjoy being a creator. Okay. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you try any of the online shows that many people were also getting into? Yeah. In April, I did like one live stream show with my, Mm -hmm. for my birthday. And I had like all of my, you know, famous friends or whatever, come on and Mm -hmm. just have like a a good time. And they each sang a song and, um, that, that was about it. I didn't, um, I didn't mess too much with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not everyone's cup of tea and yeah, some people have really gotten into it and, uh, yeah, but I'm, do you, I mean, I guess I, I could just ask you now, do you see, um, do you see the long-term, uh, uh do you, viability of online events happening or do you think it's going to shift back to in-person or some sort of hybrid? Uh, well, there's value in everything. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like music goes, there's value in absolutely everything. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't value an online show more than an in-person show um, as far as Samuel Herb, the artist goes, mm-hmm. but like, as far as like who I am as a human being and what I need in order to feel fulfilled, it's the live show. Mm-hmm. Um, like me singing to my phone with no mm-hmm. audience reaction, no, like any sort of thing other than maybe like my grandma in the, in the <laughs> chat clapping, like it, that like doesn't do it for me, but I know the value that it has. So, um, it, I, I do see, I, I think that the, to me, the live show is still going to be the King, but I don't think, um, I, I don't think that you shouldn't do the live shows. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. I've got one more sort of industry-related question, and then I'll ask you a little bit more about some of your projects. Um, so what, for those people who are starting to become uh, musicians right now, starting to consider uh, you know, a career in the industry, w- would you have any advice for them right now? Um, yeah, I got this piece of advice when I was first starting to play, um, and I think it is the absolute best thing I've ever heard because it was a different outlook on like being an artist. Um, and it is that no matter how many people you play for, it could be three, it can be 3 million and anywhere in between. You have to remember that it's not your moment to play for them, but it's their moment to watch you play. Hmm. And if you can let them have their moment, you know, you, you like, we are going to create moments every single night. Um, but it's about creating that moment for that individual, um, that's hmm. out there. That's brilliant. I like that. That's a great takeaway from this episode. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now tell us about what you have coming up. We've talked, you know, uh, in preparation for this about, um, you're delving into NFTs a little bit, you know, that's sort of industry related. And then, um, and then you can, uh, well, let's start with that. And then I'll get into a couple other questions. Yeah. I mean, I've, and I mean, this, I'm talking like the last two weeks I've really gotten into. Somebody approached me about buying a Samuel Herb NFT, one of my songs in exchange for some royalties um, on the back end. Um, and it, it seems like a great way to, to let your family and friends 
invest in you. Um, as somebody who's like, I mean, I consider myself a baby artist versus, you know, where I was three years ago is even farther back than where I am now. So like, it's all relative, but, um, basically like music NFTs are starting to come with like a utility. Um, and it's, it's like a physical item, like, Oh, you buy my NFT and you get a signed copy of my vinyl. Plus you get, you know, I saw somebody sell there, like they were selling like 500 NFTs for like 0.002 of a royalty on one of their songs. And it was only Mm -hmm. streaming. NFTs. So for me as an artist, when I look at that and I'm like, all right, well, if I take one of my songs that I'm going to make the single and I give, and I sell, you know, 75% of the music royalties, but I'm able to raise, you know, I'm able to raise $15,000. Um, $15,000 is going to equate streaming royalties is going to equate to like, uh, 3000 or 3 million streams on Spotify, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of streams, not necessarily, Mm -hmm. not necessarily that it's not attainable because I can put all of that $15,000 into getting the streams back for those people. But if I give away my royalties on one song and it's only streaming royalties, they feel like they own a piece of it and I can build my entire career from that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is and so I, cool. and it's only streaming royalties. So, I mean, this goes back to like the business question with the PRO thing, but mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody, everybody always hears like, don't ever give away your royalties. Don't do this. Don't do that. But they're talking about like your mechanical royalties, your sync licensing royalties, your live performance royalties, all of that stays with you. I'm talking about like the crumbs that Spotify gives you um, Mm -hmm. is what the people are getting back. And for them, they own the one of one NFT. That's the value that they have. And if I use their if I use what they have funded with me and for me um, to create an entire career for myself, what they have is going to be worth so much more. And I have, and the value that I have is my career. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's yeah. exciting. To me. Yeah, that is really like, and you, you're really great at um, developing your fan base and this kind of allows that fan base to really, um, you know, to get even closer. Um, I don't know. I mean, would you consider those kind of related, um, thoughts or or pieces? I mean, people, people talk about like, um, there's a lot of people that talk about NFTs as if they're, they're in the future, they're going to be a social currency. So like, Oh, you can see everybody's badges basically is what they're saying is like, Oh, I've got this NFT from so-and-so. Well, I'm sure you, cause you like music. I'm sure at some point you said, Oh, I, I liked, um, I don't know. Who's your favorite artist. Uh, my favorite artist. Oh, there's so many. Um, uh, let's pick say it, here, here. pick an yeah. artist that you pick an artist that you found really, really young. Uh, Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh, or I mean like, was it early in her career when you found her? That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you find like, I'm sure like 10 years after you found Mariah Carey and when she finally blew up, you were like, oh my God, I knew her before she was anything. Um, like for instance, like myself, I was watching Ed Sheeran on YouTube when he was playing in a phone booth or something um, when nobody knew his name. And it's like, but I have no way to prove that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, okay. I'm with you. Um, that's and that's I guess kind with, of what the NFT does. Yeah. 
Well, I won't say I, I um, was a fan of Mariah Carey when she was super, super young, but definitely before she got that crazy Christmas hit. Yeah. <laughs> so that alone could have, you know, really, uh, you know, made some money, right? <laughs> of course. But even not, even not making money, it's like... Right, right. Yeah. You know, as, a, as a fan of something, like, you know, I was a really, I was a really early fan of... Like, you know, now that I'm in Nashville, there's a lot of country artists. I was a really early fan of like Florida Georgia Line, like really early fan of Florida Georgia Line. But I have no proof of that. So with an NFT, if Florida Georgia Line released an NFT went like before they released Cruise, I mean, I would have had I would have bought that NFT, purchased it. And now that they are, I guess they broke up like a week ago. But, you know, before that, I have this. I have this badge that's like, I am a Florida Georgia line fan. I'm a day oneer. Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to tell the story. You can just let that speak for itself. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a perspective on NFTs that I hadn't thought about. So, uh, thanks for, for sharing on that and, uh, keep us posted on how that works out for you. Um, I'm really curious. I know a lot, we, we had an NFT workshop uh, a few months ago, for ourselves and, you know, just, just to try it out, try minting our own and see what that felt like. Um, and it's, it's definitely a new, uh, hot, hot term and, uh, and, and topic in the industry. So I, will yeah, I don't following. necessarily, yeah. I don't necessarily like it just cause it's like, you know, all of the, it feels like a bunch of dudes that are drinking monster energy drinks and punching walls or mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. NFTs, bro. It's not like that for me. It's like, how can I make this actually work for me? And how mm-hmm. can I put it in a way to sell it to somebody that doesn't know what an NFT is? Um, and that's why I've like really sat with my own thoughts on it. And that's where I've come up with this, like what I just told you. Um, it just makes sense to me in, to mm-hmm. put it that way, rather than like, mm-hmm. it's a non-fungible token. Like anyone knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, well, thanks again for that awesome explanation. And uh, so can you tell us now about uh, your upcoming projects and your Kickstarter? Yeah, so I'm launching a Kickstarter for those that are like, I don't believe in NFTs. Um, <laughs> the, the Kickstarter is for those folks. Um, and basically, I'm it's actually, it comes out um, February 18th, and it runs for 30 days. Um and I am trying to raise $10,000 in that time to um, finish the record that I've started. Um, so far, I've recorded five songs. Um, I've got six more that I have started recording, but I have not finished. Um, and the money that I'm raising for that will help go towards uh, finishing the record, promoting the record, um, and making all of the fun merch that people are um, there. When people pledge, there are different tier levels, but we're doing vinyl and signed CDs and shirts and hats and anything you can think of. Um, and you know, the, some of the tiers, I, I'll come to your home and play an acoustic show for you and whoever wants to be there. It could be just you. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's nerve wracking because Kickstarter is all or nothing. Um, right. there are other ones that aren't all or nothing, but Kickstarter to me, um, is the ultimate, like, this is what I have to raise. If I don't get it, that's going to be super disappointing. But if I do get it, it's super rewarding. Um, and it'll, it's, it's the most transparent of any of the crowdfunding. Um, so I have to deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver on. Um, 
And not that I didn't plan on it anyway, but it gives people <laughs> that, you know, that peace of mind. Um, and I'm just super excited about it. Yeah. Is that why you chose to, uh, Kickstarter over other platforms? And because, uh, as you said, the transparency, because it forces you to reach the goal and things like that. Yeah. So the, the three reasons are it forces you to reach the goal, the transparency and, um, it's like brand awareness. I feel like mm-hmm. more people know what Kickstarter is mm-hmm. versus like Indiegogo or any of the mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And what is it that you're working towards building on here? What am I working towards building where? Uh, on the Kickstarter plan. Uh, what is, what is it that you're wanting to fund? Oh, I'm, I'm trying to fund my uh, full length album. My first ever. I That's haven't awesome. quite decided haven't quite, it's, I know it's 11 songs and they've all got really good titles. So I don't know what I'm going to call the album yet, but, um, it's super exciting. Um, yeah. and I'm still with the album. I'm still doing my, my tree initiative. So for every 1000 streams that any of my songs get, I plant one tree, every piece of merch I sell, I plant one tree. Um, and I think every donation from the Kickstarter will plant a tree as well. Yeah. I love that idea. Where, where are you planting these trees, by the way? The trees are with my friends, One Tree Planted, um, and they um, they plant them in national forests around the United States. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Love that idea. And uh, do you have any other music coming out uh, coming soon, or is it going to wait? Are you waiting until the album is funded and then release that? So I, in 2021, I started a uh, ukulele project called Love mm-hmm. Makes Me Uke. Uh, and it's i've always wanted to do a ukulele project there's four ukulele songs um the third installment is called scorpio it's 37 seconds it's really short but really great um it comes out on the 25th of february awesome and where can we find out more information about your your music and how can we follow you um, the best thing to do if you are like, wow, I really like this guy is to go to samuelhermusic.com and sign up for my email list. That's the first thing I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just want to follow along and know what's going on in my life, then I would check out my Instagram. It's at Samuel Her Music and it's literally at Samuel Her Music everywhere. Um, Spotify uh, is just Samuel Her. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Have you done a Kickstarter campaign before? This is the first one. Awesome. Good luck. Have you, have you done anything where you have um, needed to use the reward system for, you know, like some of those higher rewards where you uh, play for someone at their, um, at their residence or whatever you might else you might be offering? Um, I've done a lot of, um, (laughs) I've never done, I've never done a reward thing, but I've done a lot of house shows and been paid for those in different ways. Um, Everything that's on the rewards list I have done and I'm, I'm really excited to do it with and for people um, that want to help, you know, fund my project and um, be a part of the Samuel Herb journey. Love it. Yeah. I was just curious because sometimes I'm like, that's, you know, do you ever get nervous about like, what if someone funds you who I, I mean, you have no idea who they are, where they live and then you have to go play a show there. Does that thought ever cross your mind? No, I mean I'm sure no. I've gone. I'm sure I've gone farther and done worse for worse people. So. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, it's it's another good story to tell, and they're a fan of your music, so it's got to be a good person, right? So 
Yeah, I mean, if if somebody wants to, I mean, it's a it's a minimum of a thousand dollars for me to come mm-hmm. play, a, you know, an hour show at your house. Like, if you're gonna pay yeah. that, like, I want to shake your hand and bring you a bottle of wine to your house and say thank you, you know. Yeah, for sure, for Re- sure. Regardless of who that is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes to like how I really uh, met you, got got connected to you in the first place is because you were, um, you know, smart enough to follow where you have fans and you have uh, a big, big fan. Would you call him a super fan or um, just a a regular? I don't know. How would you refer to your Milwaukee area fan? Oh, man. Bob, I don't know if Bob's going to listen to this, but that guy is awesome. Super fan is a funny word because it it makes it to me, it sounds creepy, but he's like the opposite of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, he's he's a very, very big supporter of mine, um, and he's super great. Actually, when I got I got home from that tour, um, when I was at his house because I stayed with him when I was there, um, he uh, he had a coffee table book that was like um, it was like words that nobody knows, but it's like cool words with the definitions to them. It's like a cool word dictionary. Um, and he, had, he actually had, there was a copy waiting for me when I got back to my house in Nashville um, oh, that, wow. he had, that he had sent to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. yeah, I'm just he, I'm very trusting of people that are they've always been good to me. Yeah, that's such a nice thing to hear because uh, you know with all the you know there's a there's a lot of negativity in the world, but it's so nice to to hear that you know the good stuff um that you can trust people that there are amazing fans and super fans of people out there to do good um so i love i love knowing that and and you came up to uh wisconsin to milwaukee uh looking for a place to play because you have a, a big fan from this area and that way i think that was your first time uh, meeting him in person is that correct absolutely yep yeah, it absolutely yeah. was and they were the nicest people so it was a great night i'm really glad you made it up here and then uh, then you made it up here again not long after. So, um, yeah, it's, we're glad to have you whenever you would like to come. I'm yeah, to I had never, I had never yeah. stepped foot in the state of Wisconsin, and I did it in August and, and October. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's habit forming. This this state is. Uh, be careful. <laughs> I tried. I tried my first ever cheese curd. It was great. Oh my gosh! Yeah, those are also addictive. So yeah, great. Well, um, is there anything else that we didn't cover on the podcast that you might like to, uh, talk about today? I mean, I don't think so. I talk a lot, so (laughs) nice. You know what I was going to tell you, uh, I've been in Nashville. It's been, I, I think it actually has been around 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, so maybe right at that point when it started transitioning to like, uh, a little bit more commercial, maybe or you know, bigger, uh, bigger kind of place. And, uh, I, I was, I was there and I got a tattoo there because I used to, uh, get, do this thing where I get tattoos and in the places that, that I was visiting that I really enjoyed. Um, and so I have this little music note tattoo behind my left ear that I got in Nashville. And it was, yeah, it was Halloween weekend. Um, and so everyone was just dressed up every place. And the guy who did my tattoo, um, was dressed up as a corpse and he literally he looked completely like a, like I, I, there was, I had no idea what he actually looked like because apparently his roommate, uh, was a makeup artist and he was a really good makeup artist and his face was just completely, um, unrecognizable. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, you know, looking back, should I have trusted this guy that I never, I couldn't even, 
you know, see a face on to, you know, put needles in my skin. I don't know. Um, but uh, it, it all ended well. So <laughs> I had a really great time there. <laughs> Do you know what the tattoo shop was? Uh, I don't. Uh, I really don't. Um, Fair enough. It sounds, it was, if it was near Broadway, it sounds like it was a rebel yell. That's where everybody goes. They're open till like six in the morning. Oh man. Oh, I, it wasn't that late or early in the morning, I should say, but that could be, I think it was right on a main drag there. So, um, if it is on, uh, on Broadway or, or pretty close to it, um, that very well, well might be, uh, if I, if I'm there again, I'll have to, I'll, if I see it, I would probably recognize it. So, um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell them I say hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. sure I'm none of this. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been inside of a tattoo shop, but <laughs> if, I, if I do, I will let them know. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's also an addicting uh, sort of thing. So yeah, best, best to stay away. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, but to each his own. <laughs> yeah, I stopped, Absolutely. I stopped doing that thing after uh, I was in Austin and I got a cowboy hat tattoo and I'm like, you know, this one I'm not so, so in love with. And I, <laughs> let's end this idea. <laughs> so, um, anyways, uh, I digress, but it was a really nice pleasure to have you on the, on the podcast here today, Samuel, and, uh, stay in touch. Great to talk. I love your music. Oh, and I was going to ask you, I need to, I need to talk, ask you about this. We're actually recording this on Valentine's day. Um, and so we are going to play uh, an original of yours at the end of the show here. And you told me that you were going to ask, uh, you're going to submit, I think it'd be fun to fall in love. So can you tell me a little bit about this song? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I actually wrote this song with my girlfriend way before we knew that we were, um, you know, thinking about being with each other. I think she even had a boyfriend at the time. Um, <laughs> but I wrote this song with her and, I was like, I just want the chorus to be, um, I think it'd be fun to fall in love and sing it over and over again. And then we use a bunch of words in the, in the verse that are like, this is my ideal thing. Um, and that's what we did. And we get to mention DMX and it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a fun song, you know? Um, it's just a ukulele myself and my, uh, lovely friend, Alex Noel is singing along as the fake girlfriend in the background. Oh, that's adorable. That's perfect. Awesome. Well, we will definitely, uh, look forward to sharing this, uh, sometime soon. So it'll actually come out still this month of February and, uh, which is perfect for the Valentine theme. And thanks again, Samuel, for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I think it'd be fun to fall in love I think it'd be fun to fall in love I think it'd be fun to fall in love With you I think it'd be fun to fall in love We're taking twice as long To get to a coffee shop Cause when you see a dog You just have to stop Give them all their pets Find out what their name is Ask if we can take them home And the owner doesn't know that it's a joke With the way you never know where you want to eat 
And all of my suggestions are never the right thing. And when we finally get there, you'll take all of my fries. I knew that that would happen, but I'll still act surprised. 'Cause I think it'd be fun to fall in love. I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Oh, I think it'd be fun to fall in love with you. Oh, I think it'd be fun to fall in love. With the way you know every word to any Disney song, but you can still sing along when DMX comes on. And even though every note is in the wrong key, it won't matter to me. Cause I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to fall in love. I think it'd be fun to fall in love with you. I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Being with you has its frustrations. The main one being that. You live in my imagination. <laughs> I'm not real, <laughs> but I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Oh, I think, I think, I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to fall in love. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again. <laughs>